Hi, I'm Huey, High Commander of the Blast at a Stash at Comic Book Review Show on YouTube, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon. You can too by going to patreon.com slash Gen X Grown Up. No life, no fun! Don't you know that you're a grown up? Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listener to episode 55 of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. I'm John. Joining me as always is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? And you know Mo is here. Hey, everybody. In this episode, we will take a look at Netflix's updated take on a Jim Henson creation, a tech toy solution for better TV listening experience, and a new mobile game to suck up uh, your spare time. Another? I know you're looking forward to that, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into that stuff, though, I want to reflect on our recent visit to Dragon Con, the experience that we had there. Hell yeah, I miss it this year, guys. I mean, how, how was it? It looked like you guys had a good time. Uh, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, at least it looks like you met a lot of good people. Sure. That's true. Uh, now, you know, people say, how was your Dragon Con experience? It makes me think of like when I like I'm going to visit Las Vegas for a week and they go oh you're so lucky I'm like no I'm really just working I'm doing things and my Dragon Con experience was kind of very much colored by the fact that I didn't have a lot of Dragon Con experiences and did you George we kind of just sat at the table and worked yeah no I mean Dragon Con is this big monolithic convention even though it doesn't have quite the same volume of people attending as say Megacon does in Orlando it's still a bigger experience in my opinion because it transcends like four or five hotels in the downtown Atlanta area. It sucks up the city. (laughs) Right. And there's stuff going on all over the place. It's not just like the different, what they call tracks. Like there's a gaming track and an anime track and, you know, Mm -hmm. this and the other. It's like parties in people's rooms going on all night and these different events and, you know, balls and dances and masquerades and uh, cosplay parades (laughs) and everything. And we saw none of that. Don't forget (laughs) the musical acts that are taking place on stage. I, yeah, I can't really forget the musical <laughs> acts that are taking place on stage because they were right next to us this year. <laughs> yep. As usual at conventions, uh, when we attend and we're able to, we get a table. It's a recruitment table, right? So we we set up all of our stuff and we're kind of selling gadgets and gizmos to get attention. And we're trying to get attention of people to find out about Gen X Grown Up, which we did. And this year, the table we had was literally adjacent, touching the stage oh, where they're playing live music pretty much like 12 hours a day. Yeah. Or at least the 12 hours we were there. (laughs) They might have been right. longer. The 12 hours that matter. Yeah. Uh, and it was productive, right? So we put out uh, a video of a bunch of subscribers that joined us and met. We had these cool little stickers of people subscribed. They got a sticker that said they subscribed. We took their picture and we put them in a video loop. George and I did something kind of unique for our podcast. Rather than a, just a looking back, we live audio blog throughout the week that we were there. Yeah. It, we did little snippets like two to five minutes a day, like two or three times a day. It was kind of fun. <laughs> At least I didn't have to try try to remember everything that happened because it's like oh this just happened just now so getting older i thought that'd be an easier way to reflect on dragon con is at the moment <laughs> when we were doing it <laughs> a real-time reflection yeah and it, it was it was easy to edit and it was actually I, I think a better reflection of what we did because you heard you know our attitudes throughout the days and what was happening and like one time we recorded as we're having dinner in an irish pub <laughs> just yeah. what had happened through the day it was kind of like a uh, i felt like an npr journalist or something because i was live <laughs> Activity happening around. It wasn't. I don't really, think but. I was that good, but <laughs> one of the coolest experiences that I had probably at the table. We met a lot of people, a lot of new subscribers, and we met a couple people who we had met at Dragon Con the previous year. But one that really stood out to me, and George, I know you're going to remember this guy. Uh, his name on YouTube is Butter Spider. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that guy. He was really yep. cool. He was really nice and so generous. So he came over to the table and he's like, "Hey, I remember you guys from last year. I watch your YouTube channel. I listen to your." podcast. I love what you guys are doing. And the thing that he said that stuck in my head is he said, please don't stop. Keep doing it. Oh, he didn't say, where's Mo? He's the best part of the show. No, <laughs> you know, he let's talk say a little bit about no. that. So he actually <laughs> walked up and he said, let me guess, pointed at me and said, John and pointed at George and went, Mo. <laughs> no. <laughs> and that was the end of my dragon con. <laughs> 
<laughs> he doesn't recognize you by voice if you're not talking. That's why. I guess so. Yeah. Because you sound like, uh, what's the actor? Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. I do sound it. like Owen Wilson, apparently. So <laughs> Let me guess. John and Owen. That's right. <laughs> it really, George, you said as soon as he walked off, he went, yep, the tank is refilled. That really yeah. was motivating to have just, you know, I, I mentioned on a live stream we did the other night that it's no surprise the first 50 people we got to watch and listen to stuff because they're people we know that we held them at gunpoint and said, we know you, watch our stuff. Yeah. But when, it, when people just find us randomly and they find something in it and they really enjoy it and they're like, it, it's a big part of what I, the entertainment that I get and it really did refuel the tank. So uh, Butter awesome. Spider, it was great to meet you again in person. That that was probably the highlight of my Dragon Con. Nice. So it sounds like it was a worthwhile experience at least. It was worthwhile. It was difficult because of the position of our table as George already alluded to. We're kind of set back from the main flow of traffic and once the stage got amped up, that's when it, things started petering out in terms of getting foot traffic. But considering what we had to work with, I think it was a pretty productive recruitment tool and we made some revenue by selling a bunch of nice. merchandise that we had with the Rubik's Cubes, the Perler Beads, George. Perler Beads, Rubik's right? Cubes. We had the posters that we sold a couple mm-hmm. of, which was nice. Art, and yep. what was really interesting was one of the people came up and he saw the Waco's poster, which is the one mm-hmm. that you created, John. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, I really wish you had that on a t-shirt. And I said, ah, uh-uh. <laughs> We Go got you covered. GenXGrownUp.com <laughs> slash merch. And you can That's find right. t-shirts, mugs, you know, mouse pads, whatever you want. So I don't know if he'll buy one or not, but that was really cool that somebody thought about buying one of those on something other than a poster. And then it made me think about it when I got back home. I was like, you know what? I'm always like, I've only got the one Gen X grown up shirt mm-hmm. right now because we I gave one away to somebody at SFGE like oh, that's a year right. and a half ago. Yep. In fact, I owe you one. I kept telling right. you I'd give you one. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I was thinking that rather than having a Gen X grown-up shirt, I think I'm going to get three shirts, one with each one of the posters. The art prints. Oh, right. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, that way it displays something that we're selling and we're always talking about how do we display these posters well and everything. Well, if I'm wearing the shirt, that's a pretty good display. <laughs> you are a walking billboard. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> A doodah, a doodah. Well, the boy genius. You trying to find out why Kentucky Fried Chicken is America's favorite chicken? Then pay attention, son. Folks just love going to the Colonel's because no one else makes chicken with that special blend of 11 herbs and spices. Any of this getting through to you, son? Let's get into the meat of the show, talking about media. Could be uh, movies or TV shows, music, comics, whatever it is. And George, I want to start with you. You picked up something new that just came out, I do believe. Well, I don't know how new it is. I think it might have come out a year ago at this oh, really? point. Yeah, I found it on Amazon Prime. I was just surfing through like last night trying to find something interesting to watch. And I found this thing. It totally took me by surprise. It's directed and written by Jonah Hill, of all people. Really? Okay. Yeah. I didn't even know Jonah he directed Hill, or America wrote. Sweet Sweetheart, as he calls himself in that Disneyan <laughs> movie. You know. But this movie is nothing like what I imagine Jonah Hill would have anything to do with. It's called Mid-90s, and it's kind of a coming-of-age story for this little boy. And so I was thinking, oh, we just got through watching that cute little three kids film and everything that didn't turn <laughs> out boys. to be as good <laughs> as right. the trailer, right? And I was like, oh, maybe this will be something that'll scratch that itch that that movie didn't really scratch. So I started watching it. Oh, my God, how dark is this damn thing? Really? It's a coming-of-age. Dark film? Yeah. Like this little (laughs) kid, he lives in LA with his single mom and his older brother. His older brother constantly beats him. And I don't mean like fun, brotherly, let's wrestle in the living room kind of beating. I mean, like his brother is 18 and he's like 12 and his brother literally bruises him nightly, just beats the shit out of him. It's dark and everything. He finds this group of guys that he becomes friends with that are all skaters in the LA area. And he ends up, you know, going down this drug fueled alcohol alcohol fueled kind of lifestyle with them and everything. His mother freaks out a little bit Man. about it and everything. It's really <laughs> twisted. Oh my God. But I couldn't stop watching. It was kind of like that train wreck scenario, you know, where you, <laughs> right? you're yeah. driving by the side of the road and there's a car accident. You're like, I don't, I don't want to watch this, but you can't take your eyes away from it. And that's the way this away. thing was. So it's not, I'm not saying I recommend it, but I don't not <laughs> are recommend it. Are you it. warning us? Yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> it was just something I wanted to throw out there. I heard kind of semi-autobiographical a little bit. Is it really? Of yeah. Jonah Hill? Because he was part of he wow. was he the big brother culture. or little brother? Which one is he? <laughs> he had to be the little brother. There's no way Jonah Hill was the older brother in this film. I don't know how to recommend or not recommend it. It's I don't even have a scale to put this thing on. I think the train wreck analogy is pretty good. I mean, it sounds to me like you didn't necessarily like it, but you did watch it all the way through. You didn't quit. Yeah, yeah I didn't hate it, hmm. but I couldn't stop watching it. So Amazon Prime, you said, is where it was out? I believe that's where I saw it, yeah. All right, mid-90s. 
90s, Jonah Hill. Okay. Huh. okay. Now, is Jonah Hill in it or he just directed and wrote he it? He just wrote and directed it. Okay. All right. Oh, let, well, let's take another swing at it. We had a couple of uh, things we were looking forward to the last yeah. time we spoke. So let's start with you, Mo. You were looking forward to It Part 2. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the first one mm-hmm. hit it out of the park. I thought it was a great, great movie. So oh, yeah. Yep. I had pretty high expectations for this one and uh, it fell short. Did it? <laughs> Unfortunately, oh. for me, it did. It, it just seemed like it was just trying to outweird itself. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like without without much purpose behind it. And it's long too. It's like yeah, it's two really hours long. and 49 minutes or something. Yeah, I think it's super long. Yeah, it's long. Two hours and 49 minutes of Pennywise? <laughs> well, that's the thing too, because, you know, the first one was a lot more kind of psychological, a lot more suspense building up to stuff. This one like had no buildup at all. It just went right into the, like the main act parts. Hmm. The bright spot though, I mean, is, I mean, one, the acting was just freaking phenomenal. Right. Bill Hader for the win, which Bill we Hader, predicted I mean, already. So, yeah. Yeah. Every scene Bill Hader was in, he was just hilarious. I mean, I would agree. And as far as like matching up the actors with the kid counterparts, that was also like perfect. Mm-hmm. I don't think they could have done a better job. I just blame this one just on the script. I mean, it was just it, it was just trying to go over the top on purpose, kind of, you know, without really a pr- reason to do it. You know, my daughter and I got a chance to go out and see this right before the show. And we were talking about it on the ride home in the car. And we said, you know what? As much as the flashback as they had in this back to the kids, you almost didn't need the first film. Like they were yeah. almost replacing the first film, you could have watched this film. Now, now, that's typically good filmmaking. You're like, well, let's make sure you don't have to see the previous one to see the sequel. But it was too much. It was almost like they recapped the film in extra scenes. Too much. Just yeah. get to the new film. Let's see the new stuff. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, some of the flashbacks were cool, you know, because they added, I think they kind of added and filled in some gaps kind of thing. But most of it, like you said, it was like, oh, this is the guy who did blah, blah, blah. And they show it. I'm like, okay, I, I get that. You know, you don't need to keep showing that over and over again. And, and I don't want to spoil it. It's too new. You haven't seen this yet. Have you, George? No, no. I was trying to wait until I heard you two talking about it before I decided <laughs> if it was A-list worthy or if it was $5 Tuesday or full price, but I'm I'm hearing it's not full price worthy. No. So. Yeah, it's easily A-list, which A-list. is if you yeah, have an open A-list. slot for sure. It's not a bad movie. It just kind of falls short of the first film, what you expect. I expected to ramp it up and it kind of just was flat across what you expected coming out of the first film. Now, is that because of the first film or do you think part of it might be that whole a-list trailer fatigue thing I was talking about before. No, I just think it was I think they just missed a mark on this one. Gotcha. I don't think mm. it's anything with trailers or anything else. It was just like, I mean, I think Pennywise was almost in it too much in my opinion. <laughs> really? You can't have too much of Pennywise. Come on yeah, now. you can. I mean, because the whole thing <laughs> is like when clothes? he shows up, something happens, right? Right, yeah. When but Pennywise was, shows he was up, it's your ass. There. That's it. It's yeah. kind of like Freddy Krueger in the first Nightmare on exactly. Elm Street series. You're done. You know, you were only supposed to see him or like Jaws, right? Like the shark. You yeah. only only see the shark taking people down in these weird angles and you don't really get good looks at him until the very end of the film when you go, holy crap, that's a terrible animated robot shark. What the hell is that? You know? <laughs> yeah. The fear of it is sometimes greater than it, you know? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take another swing at it. Mid 90s, it not amazing. Let's move on to something else we were looking forward to. George, Dark Crystal, the uh, Jim Henson kind of reimagined on Netflix. Yeah. Age of Resistance, Dark Crystal. I've only watched episode one. Let me preface this by saying that they seem to have knocked this thing the hell out of the park. I was so impressed with this series so far in the first episode. Voice acting, top notch. They give you a really nice little look at how the Skeksis got to the planet in the first place which never happened in the Dark Crystal. You know, once the original Dark Crystal the Skeksis are already there. They're already messing with the Gelflings and everything. That's all trying to. Now we find out there's different tribes of these Gelflings and how they live and where they live and different abilities they have and everything. And at, there's actually a point at the beginning in episode one, I don't want to spoil too much, but they don't hate the Skeksis. Huh. Hmm. It's completely different. Really well done. I believe this is all based off of the comic book series from Boom Studios, but man, this thing <sighs> is good. I definitely recommend this one. If you haven't seen it yet, or if you don't have Netflix, find somebody who does go out and take a look at this. If you were at all a fan of the original film, Dark Crystal. Huh. I couldn't make it through the first episode. I couldn't. What? <laughs> I couldn't wow. either. Yeah, I, 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 I'm intrigued because you enjoyed it so much. Maybe I didn't get far enough. And I've long said there's no such thing as a bad puppet movie. So I 
came in this well, that's with what high I'm saying. expectations. I'm like, how did you not watch all of that? That's stupid. I, I don't know. I, it, it, it was how just. How are you going to watch Annabelle and not finish an episode <laughs> of Dark Crystal? Just tell me Listen, that. Listen, I agree with you. It is stunning to me, but I, I, I don't. It didn't. I don't know what it was. It didn't grab me. The, the you said the voice acting. Tons of talented people. Mm-hmm. It seemed all far too stilted. It's all too excited, and it doesn't sound like good acting. It was the, it sounded like that to me? And the puppetry was. It didn't. But feel that was the right. world of the Dark Crystal. I mean, that was the way the original film was done. I guess. Mo, Mo what's your take on it? You, you had the same reaction. Yeah. I mean, I, I started watching it. was looking forward to it. And I fell asleep. <laughs> Which well, generally the, is not a good sign. That's just you being old. You and John just share the same brain half the time anyway. So I'm not surprised that two of you felt the same way about it. I was looking forward to it. You know, a big fan of the original and all this stuff. And, you know, I'm looking at the beginning and I'm like, okay, so the bad guys are dying. Fine. What else is happening? You know, and, and then they start getting to the whole other stuff and I'm like oh, I don't know it just didn't it didn't grab me so I mean after hearing you talk about George you know I'll, I'll push through it and you know maybe I just didn't miss it or I wasn't paying enough attention but you know I'll give it I another shot. I think what shot. I'm interested to hear is I want to hear George after you get through a couple more so you're going to keep watching it it sounds to oh, me yeah, you enjoyed absolutely. it quite a bit. Yeah. I got like puppet fatigue like there was there was so much going on which is part of the grand design of the Dark Crystal world is like I, everything was more of a showcase like look what we can do instead of the story. Maybe I'm just looking at it through the wrong set of eyes. So maybe once you get through a couple more episodes, I'm curious to hear if it continues to have good story for you, in which case I want to give it another shot. I'm not written it off. So well, I-, I mean, just the fact that the dark crystal wasn't always dark, that was enough to grab my attention. Hmm. I had no idea about all the history of the dark crystal. I had only ever watched the original film, like most people. Yeah, I don't think I got deep enough to see that. It was like in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> Well, during the exposition part, where they're like, in yeah. the land of the one, the world yes. of the crystal. Yeah, yeah. that's the very beginning. Yeah, I, I think that also turned me off. It's like, just get into the story. Don't, am I, is this a book that or is this a TV the show? But for the story. That's the whole point. <laughs> They can't tell a prequel without giving you some information as to how it got there, considering how the movie was originally done. But the movie is the prequel. You have to tell me prequel on the prequel. Yeah, well, it's so I, I think what Pre-prequel. I'm hearing is that this is very much for you, like the, the Star Wars trilogy prequels were to the original Star Wars film. So Dark Crystal, think of it as episode four in the Star Wars film. And mm-hmm. this new series is those first three prequels that were done. The one, later two, three on. stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, and I totally get that, that the original is so good, it's hard to mess with it. But that's the thing. They didn't mess with this. They kept it in tune with what Jim Henson and his creators had done originally, I thought. They didn't try and go all Jar Jar Binks, you know, and <laughs> animated <good>. crazy. And <laughs> we're going to make this just to have a video game and some toys to sell. They seemed to really stick true to what the original film was. I don't know if either of you did this. I went back and watched the original film right before I started episode one. So maybe that helped me a little bit as maybe well. Maybe that helped. Yeah. You know yeah. what? Maybe I didn't, I didn't do, do that. that. I didn't either. Maybe that would help. I, I want to like this. I like, I love the Dark Crystal. I wanted to like this. So I'm glad that I was concerned that all three of us wouldn't like this and it was bad. But the fact that you did, George, is going to make me give it a second look, I think. Okay, good. Before we get out of media, I want to touch on something that's neither TV show nor movie. It's mm. actually a new album that came out. We've done this a few times. The artist who contributed his song Grown Up, which is the theme to Gen X Grown Up that you hear at the beginning of every mm-hmm. uh, video and every uh, podcast that we do. His name is Beefy, and he's a mm-hmm. nerdcore hip-hop artist. Uh, really nice beefy. guy. Oh, he's great. Yeah. I love nerdcore in general. If you've never heard of it, it's essentially, it's hip-hop, but from the approach of people who are nerds. And we talk about our love for geek culture and things like that. And, and I, I've been following Beefy since his early stuff, and I don't know, the he's been around for quite a while. But he just put out a brand new album. I thought he was done. He got married, and he has a family and kids, and it's been three years since he did an album called Too Big to Fail Part 1. And I'm like, well, I guess that's it. We'll never see any more of that. <laughs> and three years to the date, end of August, Too Big to Fail Part Two came out. And I was so excited <laughs> to get it. Uh, I went to Bandcamp where he publishes his music. I, I, he publishes all <laughs> over the place, but Bandcamp's where he puts it out. I bought the digital. I bought a physical copy that he autographed. Have you guys listened to much nerdcore hip hop at all? Just some. I'm, I won't say I'm a aficionado a or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've listened to what you subjected me to on rides to <laughs> different places. <laughs> That's very no, telling. <laughs> I mean, I did watch, there was that Nerdcore Rising film that um, you yep. talked about a long Ooh, time Beefy ago. Beefy is in? Yeah. Yeah, I watched that, and... 
I've enjoyed some of the Nerdcore stuff, but far and above my favorite of them. And I'm not saying this because he allowed us to use his music as part of our theme song, but I really enjoy Beefy's work way better than anybody else's that I've heard so far in the yep, Nerdcore right genre. Yeah. Well, his new album, Too Big to Fail Part Two, is out. Uh, and if you listen to any, if you listen to any hip hop in general, the cool thing about this album is that it used to be you had to listen to Nerdcore if you wanted the Nerdcore part of it because the music was good, but it seemed to be lots of like chip tunes and Nintendo noises. It was really like hyper nerdy. And he has matured so much as an artist in the intervening, even just the three years since the last album. There, Some of these tracks, if you if you didn't speak English, it would just be regular radio quality hip hop music. It's it's really good. The beats are good. He, uh, he collaborates with lots of other artists on this. And in particular, there's one track on it that I want to just speak to. I'm going to play a little sample here in the show. And it's called Thanks. My daughter in the future. I ain't never been cool at all, but I seem to be cool to y'all, and that's more than just a little bizarre, but I thank you, thank you, thank you, I ain't never been cool at all, but I seem to be cool to y'all, and that's more than just a little bizarre, but I thank you, thank you, thank you. I think, George, I, I let you listen to this one in the car at DragonCon, didn't I? Right, yeah, when we were going to dinner one time. That's right, yeah, and the whole premise of the thing is that he has never been cool. However, to his fans, he is seen as kind of cool and he's just grateful for the opportunity to put out content. And it like touched me kind of the way Gen X Grown Up does. Like, I'm not an entertainer. You know, I've never been cool, but the people that listen to us and 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 talk about, hey, we love what you're doing and that kind of thing, uh, there's a parallel kind of between what we do and what he does. And when you find an artist that speaks to you personally, emotionally, that kind of thing, like, I think it's a home run. So between talent and the uh, the quality and the writing and the just the lyrical skills that he has, uh, you've got to check out Beefy. There's always been a link in the show notes to oh, beefiness.com, but specifically, we're going to put a link to How Too Big to Fail Part 2, the new album. Mo, you've got to give it a try if you've not listened oh, to I it will, yet. for sure. I mean, I went, we saw him at uh, Nerdapalooza, wasn't it? Nerdapalooza in Orlando many years yeah. ago, right? Yep. And you enjoyed that, right? Oh, yeah, it was fun. I had a blast. All right. And now some typical consumer reaction to an exciting Pizza Hut offer. That's right, it's Flintstone Kids Glasses. Freddy, Betty, Wilma, and Barney. Just 49 cents with any Pizza Hut pizza. I'm going to kick off today's tech toys with a tech toy th- that you bought. Well, I kind of fell into it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a you minute. Know. So so John had like a ten or $20,000 tech toy must purchase. I had a $30,000 tech toy must purchase. Did you have like a high value ticket item die that you had to get something for? No. Did you have to buy no. a new high tech roof or something? <laughs> it all started. This is like a Tarantino movie. It's a couple of divergent stories that all kind of line up at the end. I got <laughs> you. There's, there's going to be a payoff. We're ready. There's a payoff. So to start with is my surround sound died. My system oh, no. just, oh. yeah, my surround sound just totally died. And so it pissed me off and I haven't gotten around to fixing it yet. And so I've been using, watching TV with just the TV audio, which is horrible. Yeah, it's horrible. And so that's the first part of the story. So the problem is that people don't put good speakers in TVs anymore. Because if you have a good TV, they expect you're going to have surround sound. So exactly. any little crap in it. So it's even worse than like old TVs probably. Right, exactly. It was, it was off. I mean, I had the volume was like almost at 100% all the time just for <sighs> me to hear it. So the second part of this whole storyline is my bank has one of these, hey, if you spend money, you get points kind of things and you can turn them in for gifts. Oh, sure. Uh-huh. And they said, hey, all your points are expiring like tomorrow. I was like, oh, fuck. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I went on there and they actually had a sound bar that I had enough points for. So I picked it up. It's the LG sound bar. It's not as good as a surround sound system by any stretch. So it's just stereo with a subwoofer. Now describe a sound bar. Uh, it, it sounds oh, sure. obvious. Is it just a stick with some speakers in it? It's a bar that you sit either directly in front or above your TV and it has speakers. Right. Now they have some fancier ones that have like multiple speakers that try to give you the, the feel for a surround sound, even though it's not really surround sound. Okay. Like angles and acoustics, all this stuff. But this one's just a straight stereo with a subwoofer. So it's not that fancy. There's a subwoofer in the bar? No, no. Subwoofer is a wireless subwoofer that's separate. Oh, a separate subwoofer. So it's not just yes. a bar. There's just oh, two yes, speakers. A bar at least. and a subwoofer. Yes, I'm sorry. All right, got it. All right. Hooked up to my digital audio out for my TV, plugged it right in. Mm-hmm. Works. I mean, the sound quality is just, if I came from my surround sound to this, I would have been disappointed. But coming from my TV to this, I was like, oh, this is so much better. 
<laughs> and then I was curious, so I looked up to see how much it was. And actually, they run about you know 140 bucks. So it's, it's oh, definitely a cheap alternative. I wouldn't expect much sound out of a $140 thing. The sound, so. I mean, I crank it up to about 30% is about the most I've had to do. If I go higher than that, it's just too loud. Now, George, do you have surround sound in your uh, in your living room or home theater or wherever you watch movies? I have an old surround sound system in my living room, yeah. And it's got mismatched, well, not mismatched speakers. They're matched speakers, but they were from an older system that we had before. And so it's a mm-hmm. different you know unit now that powers okay. the HDMI and the sound and everything. In my office, all I have is my Vizio TV and its speakers. And my office is so small that so it's far it's perfectly fine yeah like 28 is the highest i get it up to and it, it sounds great <laughs> enough for in here so having a sound bar i've thought about that at different times for this kind of a space because it's so small but i haven't taken the purchase i'm interested to know a little bit more about mo's point system because i'm wondering if with the sound bar did you have enough points left over to get like sea monkeys with that or <laughs> was it only enough for the sound bar it was pretty much the sound bar that was pretty much wiped me out <laughs> and, and a spider ring is the last thing you could buy with your tickets right <laughs> it's like oh you got 20 million points you can buy a sound bar that's 140 dollars. i'm like wait a minute what's the ratio you know <laughs> so, right. each point is a quarter of a quarter of yeah, a tenth of a cent exactly but it didn't cost me anything so i was definitely okay with it now mo you said your surround sound died did didn't we have the same onkyo yeah receiver we we okay I the all right exact so same i, one that I you know have. what that sounds like yeah yeah so it's awesome so if, if that's considered 10 where mm-hmm. would you put i don't mean volume i mean quality right yeah, yeah, if that's quality. considered 10, where would you put this LG soundbar in terms of the experience and the sound and the enjoyment of it? I would say five. I mean, it's okay. Okay. It's about half, half the quality. Yeah. All right. It definitely makes it a lot easier to listen and makes it easier to hear. Like, cause with the TV speakers, like I had trouble hearing the dialogue a lot of times mm-hmm. because it muffled it. This okay. one though, everything's crystal clear. I don't have to turn it as loud. It makes you feel like not as old as I am. So an alternative, if you don't have the ability or the wherewithal to put in a surround sound system, this is kind of a plug and play version and you get yeah, exactly. half the experience. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely a lot cheaper. Well, for those that don't have 18 bajillion uh, bank points, maybe we'll put a link down of the show notes yeah. to where you can take a better look at the LG soundbar that Mo got. And uh, so it's a decent alternative. Yeah, I think so too. So uh, George, what do you got? Well, I mean, John and I were at Dragon Con, as we've talked about already in the show, and we were directly next to the stage, but right behind us, the wall that was directly behind our table was the front wall of the art room exhibit. And so this mm, is the place right. where all the artists come together to display their different drawings and posters and creations and everything. And I found this one guy who he was not like your traditional artist, you know, the people who do the paintings and all that kind of stuff. He was more of a, I would call him a creator, I guess might be a little bit more appropriate. And he did these cool little sculpture pieces where he used lasers okay. to cut out wood to form these little steampunk kind of Michelangelo style or Leonardo da Vinci kind of things, you know, like the yeah. flying machines and stuff. And you would put a test mm-hmm. tube in it and that would form the body of it. It was really cool. Contraptions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the thing that I ended up buying from him was actually these two little steampunk dice, little six-sided dice that he created. They were a little bit larger than what you might think of as a six-sided die, but instead of the faces having the numbers on them, they were gears that you would count. So there was one gear on the one side, okay. and there was two gear on the two side, so on and so forth. They were done in this nice, rustic, metallic-looking paint, bronze and a silver one. So I bought a couple of them to give to my son because he plays a lot of Dungeons & Dragons right now with his friends, and I thought these would be neat. I asked the guy about other dice in that same genre and he quickly pointed out, yeah, we couldn't figure out how to put 20 gears on one side of a <laughs> right. 20 sided dice and not make it You could just count the teeth hand. on the gear. That'd be real convenient. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they know, I'm not saying they roll great, but it was something that was unique and fun. So, yeah. I saw I these up. when you picked them up, George, and I had a couple logistics questions for you about these dice. Sure. I think they looked amazing. The first thing I wondered about them was because of all the gears and things, super like natural dice purists might go, well, they aren't perfectly balanced. It's going to lean toward a certain yeah. thing. Do you, the, I, they're almost more of an art piece than a die, but have you used them as dice at all? Have, are you willing to throw them on the table because they were a little expensive? What's, yeah, have you no, tried them? I completely throw them on the table. So the ones that he was selling at the convention, he originally 3D printed the original sets, and now mm-hmm. these are resin casts from those 3D ah. printings. All right. So they're pretty durable. It's just like any other resin casting that you would get. It's a really nice material. I've rolled them several times on the dice. I've noticed that you can't just like kind of move your hand along with parallel with the table when you let go of them because 
because they'll tend to just hit a side and slide as opposed uh-huh. to rolling. Oh, right. okay. So you kind of have to make sure you get a roll going out of your hand in order to keep them rolling. I imagine they would be okay in a dice tower. Uh, but right. Because the dice one. tower is going to, yeah, it's going to definitely get them going. Yeah. yeah. I think they're more of a conversation piece than they are an actual day-to-day dice set. They are beautiful. They are. They look but, great. Yeah. They're they're fun. So what did your son think of them? Will he use them or are uh, they too He liked them. He hasn't played Dungeons & Dragons <laughs> since we got back from Dragon Con because he's in the middle of football season right now. But he he definitely likes them. He rolled them a few times in front of me and he's like, oh, these are really cool. Thank you very much. The only uh, downside to them, I would say, is the price. They're $10 a piece, Whoa. not per set. Yeah. So they're a little, they're a little they're proud steep. of these dice. <laughs> yeah, I can see. Well, they have a right to be. You know, I bet if they mass marketed them, they could sell a ton more of them if they could get the price point yeah, down a little bit. Yeah, if they could bit. figure out their manufacturing a little bit and get the price yep. down. Like, I could see these being sold for like $5 a set all day long. Right. Yeah, I, I could too. Little overpriced, but it's a convention, so. Yeah, exactly. Convention it's prices. Con- convention tax. You're paying yeah. it. <laughs> John, what about you? Well, you got those at Dragon Con, and I really stayed most of the time at the table at Dragon Con, uh, but I knew that after the show, remember our last backtrack was all about lunchboxes, and we realized there was a lunchbox museum in Columbus, Georgia. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I made a pilgrimage on the way home from Atlanta <laughs> to go by the lunchbox museum. And uh, spoiler alert, I was not disappointed in the lunchbox museum. We have a video that'll come out on the YouTube channel before long. I showed up, I met with the owner and uh, curator of the museum. He is 85 year old gentleman named Alan, and he was more than willing to sit down with me for an interview and talk about his <laughs> legacy with lunchboxes. I haven't spoken to somebody in 30 years. But yeah. the most important part of my visit to the lunchbox museum, Uh-oh. you'll remember I was lacking my $6 million man lunchbox. Uh-oh. Well, listen closely. What you hear in the background <laughs> is me opening my $6 million man lunchbox. And inside is a thermos with the wow. lid. It's, oh. And I said to somebody, you got it? Yeah, is it perfect shape? I'm like, absolutely not. It looks just like my raggedy ass lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> what are the beauty of these boxes like it's not a museum like here's a pristine one that was never used he collects them just as they are and he had people from the Smithsonian come and they wanted to purchase lunch boxes for the uh, Museum of Pop Culture or whatever American Culture whatever it's called and he offered to clean them up he said no 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 the guy from the Smithsonian Institute said leave the crayon on it leave the stickers on it leave the dried up gum on it we want them the way they were and I'm, I'm not saying that this one is in bad shape it just looks like someone used it and loved it. Very nice. Yeah, I saw when you posted a picture on Facebook, how many people were like, jealous, where'd you get that? (laughs) (laughs) You're a dick. You know. (laughs) That may not be related to the lunchbox, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Mo. How sweet. (laughs) I was really happy to be able to add it to my kind of bucket list collection thing, you know. Uh, George, you helped me get my Dark Tower, and I've Mm -hmm. gotten my my Atari cartridge from the landfill, and to have back my $6 million man lunchbox is just, and the metal ones, the thing about them is they're not just stickers, right? These are pressed metal. And so it's raised. If you if you sandblasted this, you could still tell Six Million Dollar Man because it's imprinted, embossed on the metal. It's just it's just stuff they don't do anymore on kids' lunchboxes. And uh, he's here in my collection. He's going to sit right next to Steve Austin and my Oscar Goldman action figure. And I'm never to be lost again by me. They'll, they'll have to take it with my estate when I die. It's now yeah, I was just thinking all mine. I know how much some of those other things you mentioned cost. The Dark Tower the Alamogorda landfill cartridge. Right. Yep. I'm curious to know, how much did you have to spend on this lunchbox? Uh, well, do you have any guesses? A uh, $6 million man in rough shape, I'm going to guess like $250. Uh, I, I would probably, I would think probably less than that. So I'd say somewhere about $100. Yep, not bad. So with a, uh, it, it's a good shape. Without the thermos, you can find one on eBay for $100. Oh, okay. Without I got the this one with the thermos and lid for $75. What? Nice. Yeah, you're. It wasn't bad. I. Let me tell you, I looked for a Scooby Doo, but I didn't know there's so many Scooby Doos, George. I didn't know which one was yours. There's so many of them. The gentleman, Alan, said that the thing he loves most about his museum is people will go, I had a lunchbox, but I don't remember which one it was. And they'll walk through the museum and And they'll find it. (gasps) 
Oh. Their eyes will light up and they'll go, that's the one. That's it. <laughs> that's and cool. that was the feeling that I had when I saw my $6 million man box there. And I knew that if I got the found the wrong Scooby-Doo lunchbox, George, it wouldn't have that same effect. And so we go to Atlanta periodically. When we have an opportunity, we'll have to go back and you've got to find and reclaim your Scooby-Doo box. I well, and that's the thing. Like you said, you have to walk through and look at them because I probably don't even have a great memory of what it looked like. Like I have these vague <laughs> images in yeah. my head, but you know, it was like 10 or something like that. So it'll be interesting just to walk through and look at all of the different variations and saying, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, mine had the green border. Or, you know, that You'll know thing. it when you yeah. see it, I bet you. So I was thinking about, John, like all the stuff that you obviously value because of your trials and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. How big is your casket going to be when you die? I mean, they assume you're going to take all this stuff with you, right? <laughs> no, no. The beauty of that is that someone else that had a $6 million man lunchbox or their dad had one or something. See, we're, we're the end of a generation of people who are going to care about these metal monstrosities. That's true. And so when we're dead, who's going to care about those? That's why this museum was so cool, because even people that walked in that were in their 20s and 30s, they get to see what all things there were. And, you know, mine will end up in a probably in a museum when I die. But you know what? I'm dead. <laughs> I don't care. I have yeah. it for now. So I'm OK. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you found it, though. That's pretty cool. Thank you. I so my. <laughs> Sometimes your skin gets so dry, you can scratch the word dry right on your hand. And the drier your skin, the more you need Vaseline Intensive Care Lotion. It soothes and starts healing dry skin on contact. That's today's Vaseline Intensive Care. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's time for the Generation X game segment. Up first today, I have nothing to talk about. So, John, <laughs> over to you. Now, yeah, I've, got a, I've got to ding you, George. Are you telling me that you have yet to play Episode 4 of Life is Strange 2? Episode 4 is <gasps> out? It is, yes. Oh, shit. Yeah, I haven't started yet. <laughs> well, there, I just gave you an assignment for the Apparently, next episode. Apparently, I've got some work to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I've not talked about it because I'm like, well, maybe he hasn't seen it or played it yet. I don't want to talk about it, but you got to check that out. Well, nobody out. talked about it and looking forward to. How am I supposed to keep up with these things? There's too much out there, damn it. <laughs> the only way I knew <laughs> is I put it on my calendar. But that's not what I wanted to talk about. I actually want to talk about a new mobile game to suck up your spare time. Oh, yay. <laughs> Just what I need. <laughs> Bad enough I got podcast listeners writing in, fourth listener people telling me games that are sucking up my time. Now you're going to do it again to me. I'm really yes, not enjoying this segment anymore. <laughs> We're telling you what you haven't played yet. We're giving you games to suck up your time so you can't play. I found a new game by Noodle Cake, the developer Noodle Cake. Same people that oh, did yeah, Alto's yeah. Adventure and a lot of other quality games. I was just, every now and then on my phone, I'm like, I'm bored of these things. I want to try something else. And I look for like reputable publishers that I know. And I found a game called Chameleon Run. It's uh, it's kind of an endless runner, but no, no, it's not an endless runner. It's a level-based runner. So you've seen the games where you have to just jump over things and dodge stuff on a mobile phone because it's your phone lends itself very well to tap, but not joystick control, right? Right, yeah. Chameleon Run is a very simple premise. You're this little figure and you're running on an environment that is yellow and pink. And as a character, you have two controls. You can jump or you can switch the character's color from yellow to pink. If you're running on a yellow surface, you must be yellow. If you're running on a pink surface, you must be pink. If you're the wrong color, you explode. Ta-da! That's the premise. Yeah, no thanks. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I could just tell this would end up being like one of those crazy obsessions where I was like, damn it, I can't, I got to flip faster. I got to flip faster. And I would just drive myself nuts. I don't want to play that. That's not fair. <laughs> There's an amazing amount of finesse in this game. So first they made the levels, which are only like maybe 30 seconds to play. Obviously you want to get to the end. That's one goal. But like, remember like Super Mario 64, you would go back to the world and like once you get the star and then you collect all the red coins or then you'd collect all the rings or whatever it is you had to do. You could go back to each world and there's a level where you collect all these little coins. You can go back through and collect all these little smoking gems, or you can go back through and try to complete the whole level without changing color, which is really challenging in some cases. And then finally, there's a, there's a, a, an extra value thing where if you change colors right before you land, like you're about to die, but you switch colors, you get an extra little speed boost like in Mario Kart. Yeah, George, I can tell you right now, because uh, I had lunch with John early this week, and he's like, give me your phone. I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't even <laughs> ask him to look at it. I said, give me your phone. Yeah. 
And then he's like, pulled up the game. I bought it. And let me tell you, George, it's worse than you think. It's, <laughs> it's, I mean, I'm still it's good. Like, oh, no, it's, I, yeah. Um, the thing that John brought up, though, which makes it super replayable, is the fact that, you know, you have to do each of these little levels multiple times in order to accomplish everything. So I'm trying to pace myself. I'm trying to do like everything on every level before I move on. I'm trying to be good. Right. But some of these things are freaking challenging as hell. See, I think that's so sad that both of you associate doing that with something being good. That is <laughs> it's, evil incarnate. It's depth. It is. That is, that's worse than Pennywise. I'm telling you, that's just some mean shit right there. But let me tell you though, when you do it though, when you accomplish it, you're like, yes, you know, yes, uh, I did it. <laughs> Because the thing is, that it, it makes it, they did a very good job, I think, of balancing it that they seem achievable. Like, you never get to a point where, like, this is just fucking impossible. It's not impossible. Yeah. All of you are like, oh, I just got to do this one thing here. And then you, they like said they're short, like 30 seconds. So you get a chance to replay it over and over again without. Yeah, but I hear these descriptions and it reminds me a hell of a lot of the soldiers that were in the very first Star Trek Next Generation TV show, the very first episode where Q has them on trial and the soldiers are from the <laughs> mid 23rd century and they're like right? snorting up the nose with the little whatever drug it was to keep them in line. A little vapor, That's exactly right? how you two sound about these damn games right now. And I don't want to get involved. Just say no, as Nancy Reagan used to say. Well, I, let me tell you, at least if it sounds like something you might like, maybe not you, George, but it's the, the good thing about it is it's $1.99. It's two bucks out of the gate. There's yeah. not a single annoying pop-up. There's no gems to buy. There's no coins that you have to earn or anything. It's just a game that you play. And I've already gotten way more than two hours of enjoyment out of it. It's also, it's a super polished game also, which, you know, we all appreciate Correct. that. Things yep. are just done well, and it's, it's yep. done very well. So, Mo, Chameleon Run was not the only thing that I infected you with. I no. picked up a new game that I mentioned to you. I actually used Parsec to show it to you because I couldn't explain it very well. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, so this is also John's fault. The... <sighs> Same lunch. Your theme. Yeah, the same lunch. I was actually sitting there. I was like, you know, I, I haven't found a really good game to play on my PC in a while. And John looked at me. He's like, Control. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? And he's <laughs> the guy, give me more than that. And then he starts trying to describe this game. And I'm like, not getting it. It's, it's hard to describe. Yeah. He's like, I have to just show it to you. So later that afternoon, we, we hooked up through Parsec. I got to watch him play, which again, Parsec is freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. It's basically a third person adventure kind of shooter kind of game, except single the, player, which is single important. player but the premise is basically that there's a government agency that handles like all the supernatural stuff in the world that's my best way of describing it right that's better than i described it <laughs> and they're trying to keep control that's hence the name of all mm -hmm. of that stuff and keep it from getting out into the public and so it's like things like someone has a, a light switch that when you pull it it actually transports you someplace else and they hear about these things and they go and basically take those things and bring them back to their headquarters where they're safe and these things are called oops them. they call yeah, them they're oops. called oops objects of power of power oops <laughs> and so you're trying to search for your brother he's somewhere inside this big complex and the, the headquarters itself is part of this supernatural thing i mean it's it like takes up more space and it actually occupies and it's trippy it's yeah. trippy things change positions on you and walls all appear and it's a very very engrossing game i mean the story i love the story behind it it's not super detailed but it's enough to definitely keep you going and just the the way they did it and you know, and you also develop these powers so you could like pick up objects with your mind and throw them at people, which is endlessly mm -hmm. fun. Yep. <laughs> it's like having the force. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Actually, it, it is. I was when I was watching John play, I was like, man, this is like some X-Men shit. You know, because <laughs> like, you know, you make like rocks form a wall in front of you to keep getting shot at, you know, as a shield. And they keep adding enough little gadgets and things to it that just make this game. I mean, I've been I've been hard pressed to stop playing because it's just very engrossing to me. Now, George, are you familiar with the game series that started back in the late 90s called Max Payne, the guy with the oh, bullet yeah. time after Absolutely. the Matrix. Yeah. Okay. As hard as this game is to explain, it's made by Remedy, the creators of Max Payne. Yep. Okay. And it has that kind of flavor, that kind of like somewhat supernatural, weird kind of suspicion. In fact, the guy that voiced Max Payne voices a character in Control. Oh, really? Wow. Which one? Trench. Really? That's him? Yeah, that, that yeah. I think you've played more of it than I have. The, the odd thing is when I saw the trailer for it and based on the pedigree from Remedy, mm -hmm. two things I did against all of my better judgment. One, one, it's not on Steam, but I bought it on Epic Games, a yeah. different launcher. And two, I paid 
full price for it. Two things against my better judgment, but I haven't regretted it yet. Yeah. And actually, and against my better judgment, I listened to you, bought it for full price (laughs) on something that wasn't Steam, and I don't regret it either. They also add little things like there's these random missions that'll pop up, like because it's basically these things that are possessing people and blah, blah, blah. They will randomly appear at different parts of this complex and they'll say, you know, alert, you know, such, such happening here. We need you to go take care of it. And, you know, so there's a lot of little random element to it that kind of keeps it interesting. So I just simply see this having a lot of playability and I definitely see this one having a sequel at some point. Well, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. It makes you feel powerful. There's a good progression and there's a story, which for me, for my money, is one of the most important parts of any game. I think we've all agreed that at one point or another in the past. And because you're unfolding a story and uh, exposing intrigue and there's espionage happening. Yeah, there's so much to be had here. I I don't mind paying. I was like 60 bucks or something for it. Yeah, 59 bucks. Somewhere Corey is rolling over in his grave and he's not even dead yet. But $60. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Corey's like, oh my God. Yeah. And like a year from now, I I got it for 10 bucks. I'm like, yeah, but I played it a year ago. (laughs) All right, Mo, (laughs) I'm going to trust you to put a link in the show notes to where people can at least, if not buy, look at and learn more about Control. Uh, If you like that kind of game, you like the old Max Payne, George, like you and I did, uh, it's something worth looking at at least. Yeah. Annie, are you sleeping again? No. I'm watching Magnum again. (laughs) When it comes to action and adventure, come home to Tom Sutton. Come home to Magnum on Channel 12. Before we wind it up, you know we like to take a moment here toward the end of the show to talk about things we're looking forward to between this episode and the next time we all get together to talk. For my part, I'm looking forward to living vicariously through the two of you. <laughs> Your life's going to suck. <laughs> no, it's like a sad, sad day. <laughs> the Monday after we record Man, this, bad. I head off for two weeks to a trade show in Amsterdam, and it is a soul-sucking, long trade show. Yeah. People say, oh, you're going to Amsterdam. I'm like, shut up. I'm just... I'm going to be working a trade show. And it actually goes through a weekend, doesn't it? it yeah, across a weekend. It's yeah. really drudgerous. And, and so I don't have time to do anything or really watch anything. And so I'm counting on you guys to have some cool stuff to see and watch between now and then. So let's start with you, George. What are you looking forward to? Well, before I get into what I'm actually going to be looking forward to, I have to talk about <laughs> okay. something that I can't look forward to because Uh-oh. Amazon Prime's little tag that they put on their stuff about coming soon is bullshit. Yeah. Oh, I am with you 100 <laughs> percent on that. It pisses me off how they do that. A couple of things that I really don't like about Amazon Prime. First of all, on the watch next line that's at the start of my thing, it's stuff yeah. I've already watched. Why would I watch it next if I've already watched it? Doesn't make any Preach, sense. Preach, brother. Preach. Number two, their coming soon little taglines that they throw on top of their little yeah. thumbnails is full of crap because one of the ones I've been looking forward to for, well, over a year now, I guess. I don't know how long it's been since the last one aired, is the Jack Ryan series season two. Yeah, oh, right. Oh, yeah. Awesome. yeah, they keep saying coming soon, coming soon. Well, let me tell you something. That was what I was going to put on this episode is, oh, I'm so looking forward to that. That's also what I was going to put on last episode in the looking forward to segment because it's <laughs> been that coming long. soon. <laughs> it's not coming out until November 1st. So screw Amazon Prime. I'll still watch the show, but damn those people in their coming soon bullshit because that's not coming soon when you're talking about instant gratification, media and binge watching and everything. You can't say coming soon and it be six months down the line. No, I. <laughs> I remember I, I complained, I think, a couple weeks ago about how, like, these video games now advertise, like, a year ahead of time. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think it's just wrong. No. Let me know, like, three months ahead. And for TV, it should be a month ahead. But the nice thing is, though, none of them say coming soon. Coming soon is a phrase that should mean before, you know, like, if I yeah, were to not trying to get you to actually were to buy die. it now. That's the thing. They're actually trying to get you to buy the freaking game a year before it gets released. And oh. I just think that's just bullshit. Yeah, but I've already bought Amazon Prime. Yeah, that's true. And no, I <laughs> quit lying to me. I, I You've already got my money. <laughs> Just be honest and now. I agree. I think that's false advertising. I think coming soon should be within like four weeks. Yes, at least. Honestly, with the media format that they're talking about, instant downloads, you get the whole thing all at once and you start watching it. It should really be like two, three weeks because we don't have that kind of attention span anymore. <laughs> I'm going to forget about something it else to see. <laughs> it's funny you brought the whole Jack Ryan thing because I remember when the season one, they did the same thing. Coming soon, coming soon. I'm like, when is this freaking thing coming? And it got to the point where that whole coming soon thing, just I just ignored it. And then I was like, oh, it came out three weeks it's ago. A, it's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm with you. So, But George, are you actually looking forward to something that's coming out soon? That's actually coming soon? <laughs> that's what I was going to get to. <laughs> so there is something that I'm looking forward to because I can't look forward to Jack Ryan right now. 
there is a series that's coming out with this next new season. September 18th marks uh, another American Horror Story. This time the series is titled Jeez. 1984 because huh. every Ooh. series on the planet now has to go back to the 80s and do something that's since the Stranger Things has Why broke the you? whole mold, right? <laughs> All right. I saw the trailer for it and everything and everybody is day-glowed out with the pastels and everything. <laughs> and get this, they're going to a summer camp and there's a slasher involved. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Could they have been more formulaic? I'm looking forward to it just to make fun of this thing. It's a little on the nose. I haven't watched an American Horror Story since, like, the Witches in New Orleans season. Mm-hmm. This is going to weird. Yeah, this is going to be really strange, so I'm looking forward to it just to make fun of it. Okay. Hey, that's a good reason. And and it's actually coming soon. <laughs> what about you, Mo? Um, I'm looking for a movie that the trailers have been going crazy about, Ad Astra, which is the one oh, with Brad the, Pitt. the Brad Pitt, Pitt thing. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones. Donald Sutherland. Yep. Interstellar phase two. It's for me like John with puppet movies. If it's a space movie, I'm there. <laughs> There's no such thing as a bad space There's movie. No bad space movies. Oh, well, oh, but there are true. bad there space movies. I gotta tell you, movies. there are some bad space movies. And some of them are puppet <laughs> movies. But anyway, they <laughs> <laughs> No, they're not. But this one though, just it I love like kind of realistic science fiction. And this would seems like this is trying to hit that realistic kind of science fiction piece. And the storyline, everything just looks interesting. Of course, I'm trying to figure out like, oh, his dad was on a 18 year mission i'm like god what kind of freaking father is that (laughs) absentee absentee yeah it's like is that even count anymore is he legally dead after that point the storyline itself again it just seems interesting i love the whole sci-fi aspect of it there's gonna be some weird thing in it that his apparently his dad was involved some sort of experiment or whatever but just for special effects and the fact that it's in space and they have like an actual space elevator in it i mean i'm there it has a good look it definitely looks good in the trailer oh yeah for sure and when does that come out it comes out september 20th september ad astra ad Astra. Gina! Gina! There's nothing like coming home to the homemade taste of spaghetti with delicious ragu sauce. Miss Bates? It's delicious. It's great to be home. Ragu spaghetti sauce. That's Italian. If there was anything in this show you'd like to learn more about, the show notes which accompany each episode are full of links to click and explore. Catch up on past episodes and get pinged every time a new one's released by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And you know, iTunes reviews help more than you know, so if you haven't yet, please rate and review us in the iTunes app. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us, they'll thank you later. You're our fourth listener, and we'd love to read your emails right here on the show, so hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is more than just this podcast. Our YouTube channel has hundreds of videos ready for you to enjoy, plus you can find our entire body of work on genxgrownup.com. That is going to wrap it up for this edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. Before we leave, you know I want to take a moment here at the end of the show to express my gratitude for all these great folks who support us over on Patreon. These are people who, through the kindness of their heart, give a few bucks a month to support the things that we do here on the podcast, of course, over on the website and the YouTube channel. And who am I talking about? Of course, it's you, Marcus and Greg and Agile and Slow Mo and Chad and Dana, Blasted or Stash at Steve and T2, Will, Thomas, (gasps) Mike, Stubaka, Levi, Corey, and brand new since we last spoke John has joined us not me John a different John but he also spells it J-O-N has also joined this crew so grateful to have you along uh, with these folks if you would like to join them in supporting Gen X Grown Up just pop over to patreon.com slash Gen X Grown Up and you can sign up as well oh yeah we definitely appreciate all of these guys we'll be back in two weeks with a regular episode as always but next week with a backtrack we pick a single nostalgic topic and dive in and next week we have one that I've seen on the calendar for a while and looking forward to we're going to be going down to fraggle rock dance your cares away <laughs> worries for another day that's another right day. yeah jim henson series from the mid 80s fraggle rock that followed on after the muppet show has a warm spot in my heart and we're going to be digging into the history of fraggle rock that should be fun we hope you will join us for that until then i am john george thanks for being here yes sir mo always appreciate you always fun man fourth listener you know we appreciate you though most of all and we'll talk to you next time bye-bye see you guys take care everybody Gen X Grown Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. We're also an affiliate of the Geeks Worldwide Radio Network. You can check them out at the GWW.com. <laughs> How does your Amazon is bullshit fit in here? Does, well, go, does that go together? Or yeah, because I've been looking forward to Jack fucking Ryan for six weeks <laughs> because they keep saying coming soon, coming soon. That motherfucker ain't coming out till November 1st. Yeah, I know. Fuck they, those they, people. They, they did that for the first season of Jack Ryan, too. <laughs>
I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.